0: Campfire Classics is a classic literature podcast. However, your hosts will occasionally use not-so-classy language and immature humor to describe very mature situations. As such, listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Ken Sandberg.
1: And I'm Emily Bosco.
0: Welcome to Campfire Classics, where we try to read those books that look really good on your shelf.
1: And look good doing it. Even though it's an audio medium.
0: Trust me, we look great. You know, I think the importance of um, appearance and keeping well groomed when working in Mm -hmm. the podcast and radio medium (laughs) is uh, really it's 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 underappreciated. It's underappreciated. You
1: know how it's supposed to be an insult if you say someone has a face for radio? I like to do just a full beat, just full makeup, euphoria style. Just kidding, everyone. I have nothing. (laughs) I have no makeup on. (laughs) But I still look pretty cute if I do say so myself. (laughs) Uh,
0: Meanwhile, I am naturally in a uh, suit lined in solid gold filigree. Yep. And in honor of our uh, podcast's favorite piece of facial hair, I'm sporting a massive mustache.
1: Yes, um, a Poirot mustache. That,
0: yeah, well, really, it puts Poirot to shame.
1: Ooh, uh, I love it.
0: Yeah. I love it. So, listeners, you can imagine that. Or anything else. You can imagine me as a velociraptor if you want. I don't, I don't care. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wait, okay, before we discuss anything else, I have a crucial and riveting update for our listeners. I finished right. the puzzle Wee-hee! Sunk junk. yay. Um, I'm thrilled to say hello campers
0: and welcome, welcome to this week's edition of Puzzle
1: watch. <laughs> puzzle watch. yes. Um, I'm thrilled to say that after buying this puzzle twice, doing it in its entirety twice, minus two pieces the first time that we're missing, um, I completed the thing. It is beautiful. I have sent Ken a photo of it on my wall, fully assembled and gorgeous, just the piece of art that it is. And uh, hopefully, he'll put that on the Patreon or something because I know you're all dying to see what it looks like completed, even though you could Google oh, it. Oh yeah, that this is better. This is better. That
0: picture will go up on that. It'll <laughs> it'll go up on Instagram or something. <laughs> We'll put um, it up. We'll let all the listeners. It doesn't. That doesn't yeah. have to be a Patreon thing. We'll let all the listeners great. be a part of that. Oh, great,
1: great. I love yeah. that. Um yeah. But I have to say, like, there's kind of a hole in my life now. Like, I, I'm pretty sad that it's done. So I've already ordered my next puzzle. Um, I'm gonna make okay. it. I'm gonna make it for my grandma and grandpa to put up in their room because I want them to have something nice to look at. Um, and I thought, well, sure. they could always, you know, they could always use more art to brighten their day. So um, they're very religious, so I found this very colorful puzzle of Jesus reading to a bunch of little kids, and it's all these very, like, they're all wearing very colorful garb. (laughs) So my grandma was like, yeah, I like that one. She pointed to it, and I was like, done. You're going to get Jesus reading to the niños. So um, I will be uh, assembling that one next. Very exciting.
0: (laughs) Aw, that's adorable.
1: Yeah, it'll be nice.
0: (laughs) That'll be fun. I, I, so I have seen, there, the people are doing some wild things with puzzles. I recently saw a puzzle that you can go out and buy and the puzzle is all clear.
1: Why on earth would you do such a thing? I don't know.
0: I, I mean, I think the idea is that you have to assemble it based on the shapes, but it's like the whole thing mm-hmm. is made out of like clear sort of plexiglass Mm-mm.
1: and you just have nope. to
0: find the right shape. So you have nope. to do, like you do all the edges first because there is nothing else helping you.
1: No, not fun, not fun. That's literally.
0: Well, someone s- seemed to think it was.
1: <laughs> well, the, half the fun is like seeing the, I don't know, the colors come together when they're right, when they fit. But if there's no color, what's the point? Um, Although I guess if you're really into geometry. Yeah, the journey, the shapes.
0: The journey. All the right. journey the journey is about the voyage, not about the destination.
1: The wow. worthier part is that's how pro- you get there. The journey's about the voyage. That's that's profound and redundant.
0: I, well, there's a better way to say it, but the words all left <laughs> me. I like I did the thing <laughs> that I'm so good at where I opened my mouth to start talking and I hadn't decided yet how the sentence was going to end. So I just oh, figured yeah. if I let words keep falling out, eventually yeah. something would make sense. Yeah, exactly. I'm not sure if it worked.
1: <laughs> oh, good stuff. Um, What's new in your neck of the woods?
0: My neck of the woods. Um, We just finished tech rehearsal for uh, the Buddy Holly musical. So, hey, dear listener, if you are up in the area of Norwalk, Connecticut, which isn't far from New York City. So if you're near New York City, um, come see the Buddy Holly story at Music Theater of Connecticut starting this weekend. Um, I'm going to be up there. Playing drums and blowing on a saxophone. So yay!
1: I'm gonna go see it. Come so that he'll have someone besides just me going to see it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Booked and blessed.
0: That's kind of it. Um, So I'm uh, I'm here staying at a a sublet at an Airbnb in uh, Connecticut, and um, I have just been asked by the host if I know how to build walls.
1: Excuse me? Uh,
0: in fact, that's, that's a bit of why I was a few minutes late setting up to, uh, to record this. He, he has asked if I know how to build walls. <laughs> and I said, um, interior walls, sure. I've built a bunch of sets before. I know how to build a wall. And he said, okay, good. Here's what I'm trying to do. And I got the measurements for this project that he's working on. And I said, okay, let me crunch some numbers. If you want my help, I'll let you know what it'll cost Sometime early this week. I, so I, I might be making some I, extra money as a contractor.
1: I, I was just going to say, I, I did not know this was your skill set.
0: <laughs> well, I don't market it as a primary skill set. But um, <laughs> well, I'm glad so, that, that was uh, the reason,
1: though, when you said that the man whose home you're living in asked you if you know how to build walls, I'm thinking, are the walls crumbling in the place that you're living like and he needs you to repair them? So, um, I guess I'm glad it's a new project and not that.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's looking to, um, uh, open up, uh, a couple of more rooms in the attic. I see. That's kind of like doing puzzles. Building walls.
1: True. With much higher stakes. It's like a puzzle with... Because if a puzzle yeah, falls down... Yeah, with, with, with real down, life implications. Yeah, nobody dies. <laughs> 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 that's, that's too, that's high stakes puzzling.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um... Anyway, uh, welcome to Campfire Classics, a puzzle and walls podcast with mm-hmm. occasional references to mustaches, but ordinarily what we do is comedy and literature, or at least attempted comedy and things that other people wrote. Um, so what we do, if you're a first-time listener, um, and if we're doing our job right, every episode is somebody's first episode, uh... What we do is your hosts take turns every other week reading short stories to each other, sight unseen, and along the way, we look up words that we don't recognize and laugh at the occasional accidental sexual innuendo. Um, But before we get to the story, we like to get some fun facts, some details, some, you know, uh, historical information about the author or the story or something like, you know, something useful, something educational for you to chew on in between the penis jokes. And. Uh, well, this week, Emily has chosen a story for me, so she's going to read some fun facts about um, something I don't know. I'm not in her brain.
1: Yay. Indeed, you are not. All the better for you. It's, it's kooky up here. Um, OK. OK. <laughs> So this week's story is coming to you from English journalist, short story writer, poet, and novelist Rudyard Kipling, best known for writing the, oh. the Jungle Book, which everybody knows and loves, and it's super cute. Yeah. Um, so um, that's how I know lots, the, the Disney movie. Yeah, and lots of other adaptations have happened of that too. <laughs> um, so Rudyard Kipling, his contemporaries in Europe. Loved him. Mostly sang his praises and said things like quote, Kipling strikes me personally as the most complete man of genius, as distinct from fine intelligence that I have ever known. So his reputation was really great. Today it's somewhat more split, especially in India where he was born and where a lot of his work is based. Indian writer
0: Yeah, fair enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kushwant Singh wrote in 2001 that he considers Kipling's if to be quote the essence of the message of the gita in english the gita is an ancient indian um holy text or scripture while wow. on the other hand High praise yeah and then on the other hand indian politician and writer sashi tharoor called him quote a flatulent voice of victorian imperialism who would <laughs> wax eloquent on the noble duty to bring law to those without it <laughs> so um uh, Fark?
0: sashi tharoor
1: yeah sashi that's sashi you, you, you got it
0: You got, you got a, you got a flair for the, um, flair for the dramatic there, Sashi.
1: I hope one day someone describes my voice as flatulent, not me, the voice, the voice of Rudyard Kipling is flatulent. Um,
0: I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, I would prefer not having my voice described as flatulent, but you know, (laughs) you do you.
1: Yeah. I just think it's funny. I suppose that'd be
0: a little a little frog like sort of. You know, if you just often kind of give a little thing like that, that's you
1: know. <laughs> oh God. Mouth
0: Unexpected uh exhalation.
1: Oh God. Mouth farts. Okay. <laughs> so um so yeah, so Sashi Thoreau, that's he's he's in the not a fan category. Um, But regardless, (laughs) Rudyard Kipling was very interesting and had a very cool life. So he was born in Bombay in 1865 while India was still under British imperial rule. And when it came time to send him to school, his parents decided to send him to England where he lived with this couple who would board English children for school. But years later, Kipling called their house the House of Desolation because he hated being in England and he hated those people. And he described them as cruel and neglectful. So sad. I know. (laughs) And then near the end of grade school, they decide he's not a good enough student to be worth sending to university. And his parents can't afford to just pay for him to just live in London. So his dad gets him a job back in India, but he's pretty happy to return there because he hates England so much. And he becomes the assistant editor of a local newspaper. So a good move for his career. We find out. Yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah. It's crazy to me how many of these writers that we have, that that we've read through the, you know, the almost two years we've been doing this now. Um, got their start as either newspaper writers or newspaper editors. It's like you become the editor of a newspaper and then you abuse your power to get your own short stories put in the paper. That's exactly
1: (laughs) it. (laughs) So, yeah, while he's working at this paper, he starts writing and publishing poetry, prose, and making a little bit of money along the way, which is great. And then after a few years, he decides he has enough money to return to London on his own, since that's kind of the heart of the literary world. But he takes a really long passage there. He goes to San Francisco via Rangoon. I don't even know where that is. I'm embarrassed to say. Singapore, Hong Kong. Rangoon. I believe Japan. that's Myanmar. Oh, okay. And Japan. I think it's the
0: capital city of Myanmar. but yeah.
1: Got it. So all these places before getting to England. Yeah. Um, and then in later recollections of these travels, in his writing, he claims to have lost his heart to a geisha in Japan. So... I think he Ooh. went the long way. He had some life experiences. Oh, my. Oh, my. A young man traveling, falling in love. Um, also, on this same trip, he meets Mark Twain. And I'm just going to assume that they spent their time complimenting each other's mustaches because that's probably what men did in those <laughs> days, right? <laughs>
0: That's what I I um I mean I I know what both of them looked like and they they both
1: yeah they're like they they had a lot very to work mustachioed with. exactly <laughs> yeah. which is why I like to picture them doing that giving <laughs> um, so each other grooming tips yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> from one hairy man to another I don't know which one of them sounds like Sean Connery but you know whatever
0: <laughs> uh her uh, don't I don't know. I
1: don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so from here, his career is steadily rising. He marries this woman named Carrie, and the timing is interesting because, in his own words, their wedding takes place in the thick of an influenza epidemic. "Quote: When the undertakers had run out of black horses, and the dead had to be content with brown ones." So not <laughs> not 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 a great time for a. <laughs> I mean, maybe a good so, like, time for people- a wedding. <laughs>
0: People were dying so fast they were running out yeah. of hearses.
1: Yep, exactly. And they were like, Damn. let's get married. But I guess, I mean, if you don't know when it's going to end, you can't wait. So they get married. Yeah. They uh, they move to America and are often visited by other notable literary types like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle who visits Rudyard Kipling and gifts him a set of golf pl- clubs and teaches him how to play, which is pretty cool. Then that,
0: in- I kind of hope that Conan Doyle was sitting at home and he like read in the newspaper somewhere that like Rudyard Kipling doesn't know how to golf. And so he was like, <laughs> I'll fix that. And he packed right. up his stuff and took a trip just to give him golf clubs.
1: Right. Immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> this in, uh... shall
0: not stand.
1: Right. <laughs> Um, so his career is going great. In 1907, he won the Nobel Prize for Literature, and that prize had only been established six years earlier in 1901. So he was actually the first English speaker to win the award. When Germany invades Belgium at the start of World War I, Kipling is a part of a group of English writers who signed a document basically shaming the English government into joining the war to stop Germany's violent and criminal actions. Very cool. Um, but so <laughs> this part is is tricky. So early editions of many of Rudyard Kipling's books actually have a swastika on the cover, but this is before the Nazis actually co-opted the symbol. It originally was a Sanskrit symbol that means good luck, fortune, and well-being. So <laughs> once Hitler started rising oh, yeah. to power. You see like yeah. you see Yeah. yeah.
0: You see a version of it on in like Buddhist temples uh-huh. and stuff.
1: Exactly. So once Hitler starts rising to power, Ki- Kipling goes to his editors and is like, "Yeah, you got to remove this symbol from all the books. Like, it's, I don't want to be accidentally associated with <laughs> with Hitler." Um, which kind of makes me think of like yeah. people who used to love to wear red baseball caps. They can't do that anymore because <laughs> they're just too afraid they're going to be uh, yeah. associated with he who shall not be named Fuckwad. With
0: with a with a particular sort, we'll say.
1: Yeah, I mean. Fuck Wad's also good.
0: <laughs> That's also good, yeah.
1: Um, so, <laughs> another, another thing, this is my favorite part. So he's announced dead sometime in the early 1930s, Which surprises him since he is alive and well and reads it in the newspaper. And he writes a response. And he's like, fake news. No, he writes a response that says, quote, I've just read that I am dead. Don't forget to delete me from your list of subscribers. Which I think is a great, you know, early example of trolling. But I'm like, how bad were these reporters in the 1930s that they were like, someone just was like, he died. Okay, I guess I believe it.
0: Didn't something like that happen to Mark Twain too? Did it? I don't know. I, well, I feel like doesn't doesn't he have? Isn't he the one who the quote is like? Rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated.
1: Oh yeah. Um. Was that Mark Twain? Oh yeah. I thought that was Oscar Wilde or something. But yeah.
0: Was that Oscar Wilde? I rumors. I thought. Of my. It is. It's. It's Mark Twain. Oh. Reports of reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. Um,
1: and they were friends, <laughs> so they literally could bond over their mustaches yep. and the fact that both of them were declared dead before they actually died. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, that's I friendship. can't. I can't
0: find the context <laughs> under what under which he said it specifically.
1: Yeah, that's really funny.
0: Um, but yeah, apparently. Oh, here we go. So apparently, a newspaper reporter sent Mark Twain a letter. <laughs> um asking if everything was okay because he had been hearing rumors that Twain had died. And <laughs> Twain's response was, reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated.
1: That's good. Oh, my God.
0: <laughs> Great.
1: Um, so he actually died in 1936 at 70 years old. He was cremated and his ashes were interred at Poets Corner at Westminster Abbey, next to the graves of greats like Charles Dickens and Thomas Hardy. Quite a legacy. Oh, lovely. Yeah. So today, oh, you know what? This the story we're reading is kind of funny in light of what we we're just talking about. So today, I've picked for you a short story by Rudyard Kipling from way back in 1888 that is called "My Own True Ghost Story." <laughs> so, <laughs> how apropos? So, all right, let's start this fire.
0: My Own True Ghost Story by Rudyard Kipling. And then there's one of those um, little quotes that comes at the beginning of a story. What what are those called? Um,
1: quotes. <laughs> I don't know.
0: <laughs> Weren't you an English major?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, but maybe how many years ago? <laughs> <laughs> quotes. Anyway. I can use Google in front in front of, I'm literally typing quotes in front of story. Like beginning of story, Emily, come on. Let's work the brain, let's work that brain. An epigraph.
0: Yes, so this story has an epigraph. There you go. As I came through the desert, thus it was. As I came through the desert. The city of dreadful night. Spooky. Yeah, it does a good job of setting the tone.
1: Yeah.
0: It was hard for me to not read that as a dessert.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: as I came through the dessert, thus it was, as I came through Oof. the dessert.
1: Yeah. Oh, also happy pie day, everyone. I hope you ate pie today. Happy pie day. I did. I had blueberry the, pie. It was dope. Yum.
0: Yeah, yum. The most, good. one the, the most important holiday of the year really is pie day. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm. It's,
0: or, or as I like to think of it, um, Circle Awareness Day. Yeah. (laughs) Somewhere in the other world, where there are books and pictures and plays and shop windows to look at, and thousands of men who spend their lives in building up all four lives a gentleman who writes real stories about the real insides of people. And his name is Mr. Walter Besant. But he will insist upon treating his ghosts, he has published half a workshop full of them, with levity. He makes his ghost seers talk familiarly and in some cases flirt outrageously (laughs) with the phantoms. (laughs) You may treat anything from a viceroy to a vernacular paper with levity, but you must behave reverently toward a ghost, and particularly an Indian one.
1: Ooh, no funny business. No funny business. Anyone.
0: No funny business. <laughs> There's nothing funny about ghosts. I have a long list of stories that prove otherwise. <laughs> yeah. There are in this land ghosts who take the form of fat cold poppy corpses poppy
1: poppy p o b b y let's see uh puffed up swollen never heard that word huh. before,
0: so like puffy yeah. There are in this land ghosts who take the form of fat, cold, poppy corpses and hide in trees near the roadside till a traveler passes. Then they drop upon his neck and remain. There are also terrible ghosts of women who have died in childbed. These wander along the pathways at dusk or hide in the crops near a village and call seductively.
1: Why seductively? It's because not a sexy way to Because ghosts are die. sexy. Yeah, I'm like, there's a lot of... He's already like, stop flirting with the ghosts. That Those those women who died trying to have babies, they're all revved up and ready to go. I'm like, why is this all so sexual?
0: Uh, There's probably something about like, you know, last time they had sex, it led them to give birth to a child that killed them. And so now they're trying to like... Oh, oh yeah. Make up for, I don't know. I don't know.
1: It's an interesting thread. That's an interesting thread.
0: You could probably make the connections.
1: Yeah. All right, cool.
0: Um, Ah, yes. So, and call seductively. But to answer their call is death in this world and the next. Their feet are turned backward that all sober men may recognize them. There are ghosts of little children who have been thrown into wells. These haunt well curbs and the fringes of jungles and wail under the stars or catch women by the wrist and beg to be taken up and carried. These and the corpse ghosts, however, are only vernacular articles and do not attack sahibs.
1: Hmm. Sahibs? Sahib, um, Indian noun, a polite title or form of address for a man, such as the Dr. Sahib. Yeah, so it's sir, sort of like, like sir, sir or, or gentleman. Or master, Great. yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Oh, okay, used, this might be important too, used especially among the native inhabitants of colonial India when addressing or speaking of a European of some social or official status. So, oh, could be that too. Okay. Someone Indian could talking about too. someone European. Yeah. But okay, a gentleman. So these, a gentleman.
0: So, these, so these ghosts don't attack white people.
1: Right, basically.
0: Is what he's saying. Oh, and if I had continued reading, we'd have gotten those context clues. <laughs> no native ghost has yet been authentically reported to have frightened an Englishman, but many mm-hmm. English ghosts have scared the life out of both white and black.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: Nearly every other station owns a ghost. There are said to be two at Simla, not counting the woman who blows and bellows at Dock Bungalow on the old road. Musuri has a house haunted of a very lively thing, a white lady who is supposed to do night watchmen round a house in Lahore, Dalhousie says that one of her houses repeats on autumn evenings all the incidents of a horrible horse and precipice accident. Lord.
1: Oh my god.
0: Muri has a merry ghost, and now that she has been swept by cholera, we'll have room for a sorrowful one. There are officers' quarters in Myanmar whose doors open without reason and whose furniture is guaranteed to creak, not with the heat of June, but with the weight of invisibles who come to lounge in the chairs. Peshawar possesses houses that none will willingly rent, and there is something, not fever, wrong with a big bungalow in Allah. Allahabad. The older provinces simply bristle with haunted houses and march phantom armies along their main thoroughfares.
1: Oh gosh.
0: So, India's haunted as fuck. Yep. (laughs) That's what I'm getting from that. Some of the dock bungalows on the Grand Trunk Road have handy little cemeteries in their compound. Witnesses to the changes and chances of this mortal life in the days when men drove from Calcutta to the Northwest. These bungalows are objectionable places to put up in. They are generally very old, always dirty, while the consama is as ancient as the bungalow. I don't know what that word is either.
1: Hmm.
0: Consama?
1: Ah, a male servant in India, a house steward.
0: Got it. So old dirty houses and the butler is almost as old as the house is.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cool.
0: He either chatters (laughs) senilely or falls into the long trances of age. In both moods, he is useless. If you get angry with him, he refers to some sahib dead and buried these 30 years and says that when he was in that sahib's service, not a consumma in the province could touch him. Then he jabbers and mows and trembles and fidgets among the dishes, and you repent of your irritation. (laughs) My last master was so nice. No one ever bothered me. In these dock bungalows ghosts are most likely to be found and when found they should be made a note of not long ago it was my business to live in dock bungalows i never inhabited the same house for 3 nights running and grew to be learned 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 and grew to be learned in the breed I lived in government-built ones with red brick walls and rail ceilings, an inventory of the furniture posted in every room, and an excited snake at the threshold to give welcome. (laughs) What?
1: I hope that means a statue of a snake.
0: I kind of hope it means a real snake.
1: (laughs) Oh, God.
0: Every house you rent just comes with a complimentary snake.
1: I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I've never been to India. Are there lots of snakes there?
0: Uh, I mean, it's the jungle. That's true. Hello, sir. Welcome (laughs) to your new home. Enjoy your
1: stay. Stay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Snake on the threshold to give welcome. I lived in converted ones old houses officiating as dock bungalows where nothing was in its proper place and there wasn't even a fowl for dinner. I lived in second hand places where the wind blew through open work marble tracery just as uncomfortably as through a broken pane. I lived in Dak bungalows where the last entry in the visitor's book was fifteen months old, and where they slashed off the curry kid's head with a sword. Oh Jesus. my
1: god.
0: It was my good luck to meet all sorts of men, from sober traveling missionaries and Deserters flying from British regiments to drunken loafers who threw whiskey bottles at all who passed. And my still greater good fortune just to escape a maternity case.
1: Uh, he's running away from his baby mama?
0: That's what it sounds like, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Knocked, knocked a girl up and bailed.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: I'm not liking this guy.
1: No, not, it's not great. It's not great. <laughs>
0: Seeing that a fair proportion of the tragedy of our lives out here acted itself in dock Bungalows, I wondered that I had met no ghosts. A ghost that would voluntarily hang about dock Bungalow would be mad, of course. But so many men have died in dock Bungalows that there must be a fair percentage of lunatic ghosts.
1: <laughs> it's, it stands to reason, yeah. <laughs> In due
0: time, I found my ghost, or ghosts, rather, for there were two of them. Up till that hour, I had sympathized with Mr. Besant's method of handling them, as shown in the strange case of Mr. Leucraft and other stories. I am now in the opposition. Mm. We will call the bungalow Katmal Doc Bungalow, but that was the smallest part of the horror. A man with a sensitive hide has no right to sleep in dock bungalows. He should marry. <laughs> Katmal dock bungalow was old and rotten and unrepaired. The floor was of worn brick, the walls were filthy, and the windows were nearly black with grime. It stood on a bypath largely used by native sub deputy assistants of all kinds, from finance to forests, but real sahibs were rare. Mm. The Consumma, who was nearly bent double with old age, said so. <laughs> when I arrived, There was a fitful, undecided rain on the face of the land, accompanied by a restless wind, and every gust made a noise like the rattling of dry bones in the stiff, toddy palms outside. The consumma completely lost his head on my arrival. He had served a sahib once. Did I know that sahib? He gave me the name of a well-known man who has been buried for more than a quarter of a century, and showed me an ancient daguerreotype of that man in his prehistoric youth. I had seen a steel engraving of him at the head of a double volume of memoirs a month before, and I felt ancient beyond telling.
1: <laughs> I'm insane, buddy. But wait, what's a what's a daguerreotype? That I gotta look up. A,
0: a, a daguerreotype. Um yeah. you, you can look it up if you want, but basically it's it's um it's like uh an old fashioned form of photography.
1: Oh, okay. I figured.
0: It's a picture, yeah.
1: Never heard that before. Oh, yeah. Okay, so he's so he's in this creepy bungalow and the butler he's been in a lot of them, and then this latest one, the butler is like, Did you know my master? And he feels old when he sees the picture of him because I guess he knew him.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, he he knows of him, at least. Oh, okay, okay. Got it. He said he was very well-known and has been dead for 25 years.
1: Got it. Okay. Um, Let's see what this bungalow has in store. Raining. I like that you have to say bungalow yes. so many times. It's a fun word.
0: Bungalow. 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 Bungalow.
1: Bung. Bung.
0: I, don't, I don't even... I don't even really have a good idea of what a bungalow is apart from just like a squat little
1: house. Yeah, I just think of it like a ranch, like just a one-floor house. I don't really know what makes it something a bungalow. Warm weather, it feels like it has to do with warm weather. Like a, I don't know, I picture like a warm breeze blowing through the house, and then I'm like, it's a bungalow. (laughs) I don't know.
0: (laughs) I don't know if temperature has anything to do with it, but... If a if a if a ranch style house and a gazebo had a baby, yeah, it would be exactly. a bungalow. I I that's, think that's what you're picturing.
1: I think, you know what? In my mind, that's what it's gonna stay. I could look it up, but I don't really care. Great. So there you go. No.
0: <laughs> well, we'll um we'll deal with um the idea of of interarchitectural relations mm-hmm. between a ranch house and a gazebo, and that mm-hmm. that just that seems. <laughs> When two structures love each other very much.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, let's give them their privacy. We don't need to know. We don't need to know that.
0: (laughs) Hard to get privacy in a gazebo. True. The day shut in and the consumma went to get me food. He did not go through the pretense of calling it Kana, man's victuals. He said raw tub, and that means, among other things, grub dog's rations. There was no insult in his voice of the term. He had forgotten the other word, I suppose. Well, he was cutting up the dead bodies of animals.
1: <laughs> so he's like, this is not any um, dry little sanitized kibble bits. He's, uh, he's throwing me a, a dog stomach and stuff. Oh, <laughs> Ew. man. Ew.
0: That is an aggressive way to describe food preparation. Yep.
1: But that is technically what we do. I mean, that's what it is. You're basically
0: just, you're mangling a carcass. Yep. And even if you're vegetarian, like that carrot was alive once and then you killed it and you chopped it up. Murderer. While he was cutting up the dead bodies of animals, (laughs) I settled myself down after exploring the dock bungalow. There were three rooms beside my own, which was a corner kennel each giving in to the other through dingy white doors fastened with long iron bars. The bungalow was a very solid one, but the partition walls of the rooms were almost jerry-built in their flimsiness. Every step or bang of a trunk echoed from my room down the other three, and every footfall came back tremendously from the far walls— for this reason, I shut the door. There were no lamps, only candles in long glass shades. An oil wick was set in the bathroom. For bleak, unadulterated misery, that dock Bungalow was <sighs> the worst of the many I had ever set foot in. There was no fireplace, and the windows would not open, so a brazier of charcoal would have been useless. The rain and wind splashed and gurgled and moaned round the house, and the toddy palms rattled and roared. Half a dozen jackals went through the compound singing, and a hyena stood afar off and mocked them. A hyena would convince a seducee of the resurrection of the dead. The worst sort of dead. Then came the ratab, a curious meal, half native and half English in composition, with the old consomme babbling behind my chair about dead and gone English people and the wind-blown candles playing shadow bow peep with the bed Mm -hmm. and the mosquito curtains. It was just the sort of dinner and evening to make a man think of every single one of his past sins (laughs) and of all the others that he intended to commit if he lived.
1: (laughs) So it's not your typical, like, please, God, just get me through this and I'll be perfect. It's like, man, what did I do to to deserve to end up here? But also, if I make it out of this, I'm going to do whatever I want. (laughs) It's pretty bold. Yeah,
0: This... (laughs) This has been the longest version of it was a dark and stormy night
1: yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. ever put on the page. <laughs> and also, is the narrator native or is he European?
0: No, he's English.
1: Oh, he's English. Okay.
0: Got yeah. I assume anyway, yeah. um, for, for a couple of reasons. Uh, one, because the writer is English. Um.
1: Right, but he's also Indian. Like, well, a- he
0: was born in India, right? But he was born in India when India was part of colonial.
1: England. Right, right, right.
0: So he he's like,
1: oh, I gotcha, I gotcha. A native
0: of India, but he's he is he's an Englishman.
1: Got it. Who yeah, just he's happens English to educated, live in India? He's, you know? yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay. Got um, it. so I assume, and because this other guy seems to, the, the, um, the consama um, seems to keep interacting with him, assuming that he is like treating him like he is a well-to-do. Oh, uh,
1: right. Oh, that makes more sense you know. too, that he's like, did you know this other old white guy who died? Like, cause yeah. you all, yeah. you all know each other, right?
0: <laughs> all, all you old white people know each other, right? Right. <laughs> For the record it's true. Do you? <laughs> well, I'm I'm not old yet. But right, when I'm sure. old, I will know all of the other old white people. Got it. <laughs> that's that's how it works. There are there are meetings. Great. Um yes, there we go. Sleep for several hundred reasons was not easy. <laughs> The lamp in the bathroom threw the most absurd shadows into the room, and the wind was beginning to talk nonsense. Mm -hmm. Just then, just when the reasons were drowsy and blood-sucking, I heard the regular, let-us-take-and-heave-him-over grunt of duly-bearers in the compound. First one duly came in, then a second... And then a third. I heard the dualies dumped on the ground and the shutter in front of my door shook. Nope, I was hoping for context clues. What's uh, a me dually?
1: Me too. Me too. I kept I kept being like, maybe they're going to tell us what a dually is soon. Dually, a simple stretcher on poles for carrying the wounded or ill.
0: Got. Oh, got it. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. All right. So with that context, yeah. we'll read this again. Yeah. Just when the reasons were drowsy with blood-sucking, I heard the regular let-us-take-and-heave-him-over grunt of dooley bearers in the compound. First one dooley came in, then a second, and then a third. I heard the duallys dumped on the ground, and the shutter in front of my door shook. That's someone trying to come in, I said, but no one spoke and I persuaded myself that it was the gusty wind. The shutter of the room next to mine was attacked, flung back, and the inner door opened. That's some sub-deputy assistant, I said, and he has brought his friends with him. Now they'll talk and spit and smoke for an hour. But there were no voices and no footsteps. No one was putting his luggage into the next room. The door shut. And I thanked Providence that I was to be left in peace. But I was curious to know where the Dooleys had gone. I got out of bed and looked into the darkness. There was never a sign of a Dooley. Just as I was getting into bed again, I heard in the next room the sound that no man in his senses can possibly mistake the whir of a billiard ball down the length of the slates when the striker is stringing for break so apparently (laughs) every man knows what a pool hall sounds like yeah exactly no other sound is like it a minute afterwards there was another whir and i got into bed i was not frightened indeed i was not i was very curious to know what had become of the Dooleys. I jumped into bed for that reason.
1: (laughs) I'm not scared, man. I'm not scared.
0: (laughs) Next minute, I heard the double click of a cannon, and my hair sat up. It is a mistake to say that hair stands up. The skin of the head tightens, and you can feel a faint, prickly bristling all over the scalp. That is the hair sitting
1: up. (laughs) Thank you for the clarification. It's very important at this moment.
0: Yeah. There was a whirr and a click, and both sounds could have only been made by one thing, a billiard ball. I argued the matter out at great length with myself, and the more I argued, the less probable it seemed that one bed, one table, and two chairs, all the furniture in the room next to mine, could so exactly duplicate the sounds of a game of billiards. After another cannon, uh, a three-cushion one to judge by the whir, oh, cannon is a billiard shot, not a giant gun. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I had not put that together. I thought we were going, billiards, war.
1: War, yeah, exactly. Under attack,
0: I uh, after another cannon, a three-cushion one, to judge by the whir, I argued no more. I had found my ghost and would have given worlds to have escaped from that dak bungalow. I listened, and with each listen, the game grew clearer. There was whir on whir and click on click. Sometimes there was a double click and a whir and another click. Beyond any sort of doubt. People were playing billiards in the next room, and the next room was not big enough to hold a billiard table. Between the pauses of the wind, I heard the game go forward, stroke after stroke. I tried to believe that I could hear... I tried to believe that I could not hear voices, but that attempt was a failure. Do you know what fear is? Not ordinary fear of insult, injury, or death, but abject, quivering dread of something that you cannot see. Fear that dries the inside of the mouth and half of the throat. Fear that makes you sweat on the palms of the hands and gulp in order to keep the uvula at work. This is a fine fear, a great cowardice, and must be felt to be appreciated. The very improbability of billiards in the dock bungalow proved the reality of the thing. No man, drunk or sober, could imagine a game of billiards or invent the splitting crack of a screw cannon. A severe course of dock bungalows has this disadvantage. It breeds infinite credulity. If a man said to a confirmed deck bungalow haunter, there is a corpse in the next room, and there's a mad girl in the next but one, and the woman and man on that camel have just eloped from a place 60 miles away, the (laughs) hearer would not disbelieve because he would know that nothing is too wild, grotesque, or horrible to happen in a dock bungalow. This credulity, unfortunately, Extends to ghosts. A Mm -hmm. rational person fresh from his own house would have turned on his side and slept. I did not. So surely as I was given up as a bad carcass by the scores of things in the bed because the bulk of my blood was in my heart, so surely (laughs) did I hear every stroke of a long game at billiards played in the echoing room behind the iron barred door. My dominant fear was that the players might want a marker. It was an absurd fear because (laughs) creatures who could play in the dark Would be above such superfluities. (laughs) I only know that that was my terror, and it was real. After a long, long while, the game stopped, and the door banged. I slept because I was dead tired. Otherwise, I should have preferred to have kept awake. Not for everything in Asia would I have dropped the doorbar and peered into the dark of the next room. When the morning came, I considered that I had done well and wisely and inquired for the means of departure. By the way, Kansama, I said, what were those three dulies doing in my compound in the night? There were no dulies, said the Kansama. I went into the next room, and the daylight streamed through the open door. I was immensely brave. I would, at that (laughs) hour, have played black pool with the owner of big... What? I would, at that hour, have played black pool with the owner of the big black pool down below. I don't know what that means.
1: I don't know, for some reason when he says, like, with the black pool down below, it makes me think, like, hell, you know? Because he's like, I was yeah. so brave at that hour, I would have, like, played pool with the devil kind of thing.
0: I would have faced down demons, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Kind of,
0: yeah. maybe. Um, anyway, it's probably something to that effect. Yeah. Anyway, he continues. Has this place always been a dock bungalow? I asked. No, said the A Ten or twenty years ago, I have forgotten how long, it was a billiard room. Mm. Uh, how much? A billiard room for the <laughs> sahibs who built the railway. I was Consumma then in the big house where the railway sahibs lived, and I used to come across with Brandy Shrub. These three rooms were all one, and they held a big table on which the sahibs played every evening. But the sahibs are all dead now, and the railway runs, you say, nearly to Kabul. Do you remember anything about the sahibs? It is a long time ago, but I remember that one sahib, a fat man and always (laughs) angry, was playing here one night, and he said to me, "'Mongol Khan.' brandy punny do and i filled the glass and he bent over the table to strike and his head fell lower and lower till it hit the table and his spectacles came off and when we the sahibs and i myself ran to lift him he was dead i helped to carry him out <laughs> He was a strong sahib, but he is dead, and I, old Mongal Khan, am still living by your favor. That was more than enough. I had my ghost, a first-hand, authenticated article. I would write to the Society for Psychical Research. I would paralyze the Empire with the news, (laughs) but I would, first of all... Put 80 miles of assessed (laughs) cropland between myself and that dock bungalow before nightfall.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame you.
0: (laughs) The society might send their regular agent to investigate later on. (laughs) I went into my own room and prepared to pack after noting down the facts of the case. As I smoked, I heard the game begin again. With a miss in balk this time for the whir was a short one. The door was open, and I could see into the room. Click. Click. That was a cannon. I entered the room without fear, and there was sunlight within and a fresh breeze without. The unseen game was going at a tremendous rate, and well it might, when a restless little rat was running to and fro inside the dingy ceiling cloth and a piece of loose window sash was making 50 breaks off the window bolt as it shook in the breeze. Impossible to mistake the sound of billiard balls. Impossible to mistake the whirr of a ball over a slate. But I was to be excused. Even when I shut my enlightened eyes, the sound was marvelously like that of a fast game. Entered angrily, the faithful partner of my sorrows, Kadir Baksh.
1: Wait, so it was. So it was the curtains. It was. It
0: was rats in the ceiling and the <laughs> curtains blowing in the wind.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. That's a little too convenient that a guy died there playing pool. I still think it was ghosts, but let's see.
0: we we'll, we'll see. There's a little bit left. Yeah. <laughs> This bungalow is very bad and low-cast. No wonder the presence was disturbed and, and is speckled. Oh, no wonder the presence was disturbed and is speckled. Three sets of dooley bearers came into the bungalow late last night when I was sleeping outside and said that it was their custom to rest in the rooms set apart for the English people. "'What honor has the Consumma?' "'They tried to enter, but I told them to go. "'No wonder, if these Uriahs have been here, "'that the presence is sorely spotted. "'It is a shame and the work of a dirty man.'" Hmm. "'Kadir Baksh did not say that he had taken from each gang two Annas for rent in advance, "'and then, beyond my earshot, had beaten them with a big green umbrella whose use I had never before divined. But Kadir Baksh has no notions of morality. There was an interview with the Khan Samah, but as he promptly lost his head, Wrath gave place to pity, and pity led to a long conversation, in the course of which he put the fat engineer <laughs> Sahib's tragic death in three separate stations, two of them fifty miles away. <laughs> the third shift was to Calcutta, and there the Sahib died while driving a dog cart.
1: Oh the if whole I had got confused.
0: Yeah. If I had encouraged him, the Consumma would have wandered all through Bengal with his corpse. (laughs) I did not go away as soon as I intended. I stayed for the night while the wind and the rat and the sash and the window bolt played a ding-dong 150 up. (laughs) Then the wind ran out and the billiards stopped. And I felt that I had ruined my one genuine hallmarked ghost story. Had I only stopped at the proper time, I could have made anything out of it. That was the bitterest thought of all. The end.
1: (laughs) Yay! Well done. Oh, man.
0: So, I have a very similar story from my own youth. Oh, I was uh, 16 or so, 15, 16, somewhere in my middle teens um, in late junior high or early high school. And I woke up late at night. uh, I I don't know. I had to go to the bathroom or something like I, I woke up and I crawled back into bed and was having trouble falling back asleep. And all of a sudden I heard this sound coming from outside my door and down the hall. And I swear to God it was the sound of a chainsaw running, like just outside my door.
1: Oh my God.
0: I could not figure out what was going on, but it freaked me out. And then the chainsaw sound stopped, and I started hearing this, like, clicking, these clicking and whirring and tapping sounds. And it sounded like someone was, like, I don't know, like stepping through the hall and like trying to pick locks almost. It was oh. these bizarre sounds. Uh, And and but the sounds never left like they didn't go far enough away from my door for me to want to get up and like go out and check to see what it was. So I I stayed awake in my room, terrified the whole night that some guy with a chainsaw was breaking into our house. Couldn't peg the sound. A couple of nights, but but I survived the night. Obviously, I'm here. A yeah. <laughs> uh, couple of nights later, the same thing happened. I woke up late and I, I started hearing the same sound. And it was like within two or three minutes, it was at exactly the same time. Couldn't figure it out. The next night, out of habit, the same thing happened. And I got up to check to see what the sound was. <laughs> Turns out that was the sound of at like 4.05 in the morning our new water softener cycled through (laughs) and it was just it was the sound of the water softener like yeah the 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 way the water moved through the pipes that was the chainsaw sound and the the clicking and tapping sounds (laughs) I was hearing was like valves opening to let new water in and
1: but were yeah. you like, bummer, um, it would have been cooler if it was a guy with a chainsaw. <laughs>
0: it would have been cooler like, if this was a Friday the 13th movie.
1: Right, I'm like, <laughs> I just love how his reaction is like, I mean, first it's relief, but then it's like, well, shit, that was a cool story though, yeah. you know?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: I mean, yeah. I kind of feel the same way in that like, I love, it's so funny because as a kid, I was very a very anxious kid for some reason. Like I was just born wired that way. And I, I hated going to sleep by myself. I would always go sleep in my parents' bed with them. And I have two older brothers who got to share bunk beds, but I was the only girl and I was the baby. So I had my own room, which I hated because I never wanted to sleep alone. And I was afraid sure, of the dark, yeah. all these things. But now as an adult, I, I don't know. I've bounced so far the other way that I love scary movies. But I just like... I watch movies like the conjuring series or like anything with like ghost possession. And, and I have, I have friends who are very tapped into this sort of thing, like that they and family members like swear they have had experiences where they have heard things and they have seen things and they've made contact with the other side. And I'm like kind of in this, I'm kind of straddling this line of like part of me kind of wished that would happen to me, you know? Like it would would be so cool to get some kind of something from the other side, some supernatural experience. And the other part of me is like, get out of here. You would be scared shitless. Like you better hope you're never contacted by a ghost. (laughs) Like that would be just horrifying. And so I'm kind of like, you know, my my adult brain and my child brain argue about that because part of me is like, I'd be so cool, you know? (laughs) So I can, I can understand hey. his, his disappointment because <laughs> it's kind of, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Something fun about it.
0: Totally. Hey, listener, have you ever um, experienced the supernatural? Have you ever met with like a ghost or, or, yeah, I, hear. I, I don't know, or, or something else witnessed, um, witnessed the, the miraculous or the impossible? Have mm-hmm. you, you know, met with a, a demon or an angel or, yeah.
1: um or even like dreams, a, 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 like a ghost have... or a
0: sprite or whatever?
1: Yeah, people have dreams Prophetic where they're like, dreams. this person like couldn't have known this thing, but they did, you know, or like how could I have dreamed that thing right before it happened? kind of thing. It's pretty yeah. cool. Pretty cool.
0: Yeah. If you have, if you have, tell us about it. Yeah. Send us an email uh, or a message on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or any of those things. Just look for Campfire Classics. Or if you're gonna email us, send it to fifty fifty artsproduction at gmail.com <gasps> and tell us about a ghost story that you, know, you experienced. It
1: would, it would be so fun if we got enough of those to do like an episode where we, and, and if you want your name included, we could read it. And if you don't, don't include your name, where we could go back and forth and like read all the spooky stories. Maybe get a Halloween episode or yeah. something. That'd be yeah,
0: that'd be great fun. Ooh, we that'd could do fun. a, this, it'll be, um. We'll try to do a listener write-in story.
1: Yeah! Oh my L- god! Listener and write-in tell your, episode. Tell your friends if you have any friends who are ghost hunters. Be like, listen to this pod first, and also yeah. send them your story. <laughs> I love yeah, that yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: Let us know. So shoot us, shoot us that story. And um, th- this week's secret passphrase is just my my ghost story. Yeah. That's all. That's yeah, but but do let us know because I'm like I'm curious. I'm always fascinated by by people who have had those things happen Mm -hmm. because I've never I've never been on the receiving end of it, although I did. I was once the ghost accidentally. Um, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but but uh, Emily, I don't think you've heard it. Yeah, recap um, it for me real quick (laughs) that I was um, I was working as Thomas Jefferson in historic Philadelphia. And doing a show in Independence Hall. And there's a part of the show where we we would come down the stairs, come down the back stairs and sort of surprise the guests who were in Independence Hall. But this was sort of, it always happened right around dinner time. Uh, So depending on the time of year, right around dusk. And right around that same time the haunted philadelphia ghost tours would go around and there was one night in particular where i was watching out the window and i saw this ghost tour come out and clearly the tour guide was telling a story about ghosts inside independence <laughs> hall and then me as thomas jefferson uh and and uh, john adams and ben franklin came walking past that window <laughs> arguing oh my with each God. other and I looked out the window and I watched that tour group freak the hell out. That's amazing. It was amazing. Oh,
1: my God. What what a happy accident. What, that's amazing. <laughs> ah, that's so serendipitous.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's really fun. That's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was great. Oh, I loved it. Oh,
0: Uh. Anyway, that's everything I got. Um, anything from you before we say goodnight?
1: No, you, well, actually, yes. I just remembered a fun, well, I, I don't know if it's actually true. It was very, like, I mean, there was no one, so I, I worked at this um community theater in New Jersey before I went to grad school. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I was told this story by, like, people who had worked at the theater for a long time, and I don't think any of them actually, like, thought it was true, or none of them were like, I was there, I heard it. But they were like, there's this old urban legend that goes around, that's kind of fun, that we tell the kids sometimes to spook them, that, um... There was an actor, an older actor, who was doing a a a big Shakespeare role once, like maybe King Lear, and he was nervous about it. So he would always go into the theater after hours to memorize his lines on stage. Like he would go up there and practice soliloquies. And this one night, he let himself in, and there was nobody in the theater. It was locked. Everything was dark. He turned on the one light on the stage, and he got up there, and he just was like, you know, running his lines to an empty theater. And he was working and working and working on this monologue and he couldn't get it right. There was one section he couldn't remember. Like it just, it wasn't, it wasn't working. And then finally he gives it another go and he, he gets through the whole thing and he does it well. And he like says all the lines, right. And he says that at the end of that monologue, he just heard from the upper balcony. (laughs) 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 does that send a chill up your spine? I don't even care if it's real. I'm like, that is chilling. I
0: hope that the theater ghost, I hope that a theater ghost would be that supportive.
1: Uh, Well, I know. And it's kind of nice. Honestly, it's like someone up there being like, yeah, buddy, you got it. Like I heard it. It was, it was all right. You know, it's It's kind of like a nice stage (laughs) manager being like, you didn't have to call line once. You know. So I kind of, I love that story of like the friendly stage manager ghost. And then I, I don't know what happens next in the story. I, I, if I were that guy, I'd turn off the lights and run the hell out of there. But, um, yeah, I just like that story. <laughs> but again, like, it would be a bummer if someone was like, oh, yeah, that's just the theater's, like, heating system. It makes a clapping noise at 4.05 every morning. I'd be like, oh, man. <laughs> okay, let's stop talking about this so I can go to sleep tonight. <laughs> I'm, All right. I'm a, uh, sca- I'm a scaredy cat who loves Marianne horror. I, can- I contain multitudes.
0: <laughs> and with that, this has been Campfire Classics. And until next week, we'll, I screwed up this tagline. Goodbye.
1: (laughs) Leave it. That's it. That's
0: it. it. That was great. great.
1: (laughs) Bye. Monsieur, please stop deep-throating the mic because I am ready for you to read. Please put that in. Please. Please. Oh, yeah. I want the, I want the listeners gonna, to know what you're doing. That's gonna. That'll, that'll make it. On this day. It,
0: what, <laughs> so, hey, listener, what you just heard, um, <laughs> which is a blooper at the end of the episode, but this actually happened while we were um, sitting uh. around the fire waiting for the story to get pulled up. <sighs> um And the the following sound is me chewing on the mic.
1: Yeah, no, I I think from the term deep throat, it was pretty self-explanatory.
0: All all right. You, You might be right.
1: I'm sorry, Jamie Sandberg. I'm sorry. Don't put that in. Don't put that in. Don't. I take it back. It's
0: too late. It's too late. Once it's been recorded, it can't be taken back. Oh, Lord. Podcasting podcasting is basically writing in stone.
1: Some editor you are. (laughs)